You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I'm not expecting today to be a very long day. I more or less want to look at the other games and, and start kind of looking at the closing picture, right? As we draw closer to the end of the season, I mean, what do we really need to start happening? Because all these games start getting super important. Everything has massive, massive implications. I mean, I, we, we lost to the 49ers. There's no guarantee that we don't still end up number one in the NFC or, or at least have a first-round bye. Case in point, the Packers are playing the Giants and could be eight, or excuse me, nine and three. The 49ers are playing the Ravens. If the Ravens win, which is not a, wouldn't really be that shocking of a thing. In fact, I kind of think they will. The 49ers are 10 and two. Nine and three, 10 and two, right? It's an uphill battle, but it's certainly not out of reach. Obviously, there are other things like that. So that is what I'd like to look at primarily today. As far as preliminaries, and I'll have to verify this, but I don't believe I ever received a message on Instagram, meaning there is, unless again I am incorrect, there is available right now a signed Dorsey Levin's jersey. It will come to you free of charge, shipping is free, with a signed certificate of authenticity. And all you have to do, well, go over to Instagram. There are instructions. You can, I mean, you got to do it quick because there's going to be another drawing. Find the um, Dorsey Levin's post. All the instructions will be right there. Essentially, you tag three Packer fans in the post. You can do that up to three times, so tag nine people in three different posts. And you can have a fourth entry if you leave a five-star iTunes review and then send that to me on Instagram. Just send a little screenshot or something so we can see it. That will be your fourth entry. Again, do it quickly, because whenever he gets up and realizes we didn't have a winner, he'll probably get around to doing another drawing. Next on the agenda, um, I do have... You know what? I, I need to do this. I, I'm, I'm going to plan on, by the time you listen to this podcast, we're going to have two new shirts up, and I'm going to have to work fast. I'm probably lying, but just be be on alert. It'll happen, and you'll see it in the Facebook group when it happens. But we've got two new t- t-shirts. Um one of them is kind of the cool, like, all right, let's go Packers thing. Uh, the other is, as I talked about yesterday, the Crosby t-shirt. Um, as I talked about yesterday, Mason has had a lot of uh, issues in his family with cancer. He's lost several members of his family, and most recently his brother's wife, his sister-in-law. And so I had a design made up, put a rush order on it because I wanted it to be available today. And um, what I'm going to do is... 100% of the proceeds from it. It's going to be maybe a little bit more of a higher priced t-shirt um, because I'd you know, like a little bit more to come out of it. It is in, in a way a donation to charity, I suppose. Um, but what I would like it to be, and it'll, I don't know, I don't know. The goal is, and we'll have to check, about $10 per uh, shirt or sweatshirt or whatever to go to, to the Lombardi Cancer uh, Foundation. Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation is the official name. This isn't exactly set up uh, like GoFundMe where you can verify that I'm not going to touch any of the money. You're just going to have to trust me that I have a high enough character that I wouldn't steal money from you know, a cancer foundation. I would ask, however, because I did pay for this and have a rush on this, if you would, wouldn't mind supporting in some kind of way, maybe if you buy this shirt, buy another shirt with it. 
maybe consider giving to Patreon. Uh, if you check the link of links in the description, there's also an, an opportunity for a one-time donation. Whatever, just something to consider. Thirdly, speaking of cancer foundations, uh, thank you very much to a flurry of donors. We had uh, Kyle, Scott, an anonymous donor, and Scott again, different Scott. Just these four donors, we had about um, around $110. So right now, again, the goal is to get to $1,000 by Christmas. We have had 30 donations, uh, $812. We did that in 30 days. So we've got another 25 days to go. I'm hoping we can end up sending uh, over $1,000. And I'm very, very excited for that to happen. So anyways, I think that's it for preliminaries. I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving season. Although I don't really know when these things end. And it just kind of blends into the Christmas season, so it ends up becoming this sort of holiday-ish season where we all just go to parties all the time, eat too much food, spend too much money. Today was supposed to be day one of the diet. Started it off with leftover pizza and a little bit of cake. So um, we'll try again tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the official day. Probably. I don't know. But let's take a break, and we'll start talking about some football stuff. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, folks, you know what time it is. It's Vivid Seats time. You know Vivid Seats are the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the section row of your choice all right in the app. And as I'm sure you know, because I say this daily, they got their loyalty program. So you can earn credit back in Vivid Seats rewards. So if you haven't done it, even though I know you have, make sure you go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, and you'll be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. Every single purchase is going to be backed by 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has got what you need, man. And of course, if you haven't done this yet, and if your brand's spanking new, enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout, and you can receive a discount of up to $100. It's not bad. You should probably check it out. All right, so let's just go down the line here. First of all, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, does anybody care for any reason whatsoever? Not really. Baltimore is obviously going to win the division if they haven't already. Maybe one of them has a shot at a wild card. You figure Buffalo's definitely got one locked up. Outside of that, I mean, there's not even any good teams in the AFC. you got the Patriots at 10 wins, Buffalo at 9. So there's one winner and a wild card. Although Buffalo could win the division. Not super likely, but man, that would be awesome. In fact, I want Buffalo to beat out the Patriots. I know everybody wants um, the Ravens to do it, and that'd be great. But for Buffalo to be able to do it, oh, man, would that be just beautiful. The Chiefs only have seven wins. That's that's it. I mean, the, the Ravens, the Bills, and the Patriots are the only three teams that are kind of actually really good. Otherwise, the Chiefs and the Texans have seven wins. So, yeah, I guess 
definitely there is an opportunity for one of these teams to win a wild card because the Chiefs are going to win the division. Uh, the Texans are probably going to win the division. Everybody else is six-ish wins, so the Steelers are right there in the race, and even the Browns at five wins are right in the race. None of this matters because both of these teams are entirely irrelevant in the playoff conversation, so we don't have to worry about playing them in the Super Bowl. A somewhat interesting game, Miami and Philly. Now, it's not really interesting when you figure that Philly's probably just going to stomp Miami into the dust, but what if? Also, because I am in full swing mock draft mode, which I haven't really been talking about a ton, I did a little bit, but I don't really have an outlet anymore because I got rid of my website and I got rid of my draft podcast, and I'm kind of just like twitching over here doing mock drafts and not really having an outlet to express that. But anyways, it's going to make those a lot more interesting. And again, it kind of goes back to that conversation about, well, who do we want to win? It doesn't really matter. One of them is going to win the division. One of them is going to be a wild card. So the the Dallas Cowboys and the Giants, or and the... Uh, the Eagles are going to be in the playoffs no matter how bad they are. But it really just kind of becomes a question of who do you want more? It's not even that because you could, depending on where the Packers end up, you could end up playing either one of them. I guess what I want is for these both of these teams to just be horrible football teams. And if they lose to Miami, it kind of just is like, all right, cool. Hopefully they get into the playoffs. Hopefully we get an opportunity to play them because we're just going to stomp them out. Yeah, I know we already lost to the Eagles, but it, again, things change. And when you've getting, gotten beaten up this badly and you realize this is just a horrible situation and we are just a really bad football team, it can change a lot of things. Uh, beyond that, Jordan Howard is going to be out. Uh, Zach Ertz is hurt. I think he's playing, but he's out. I mean, playing, but he's out. Playing, but he's hurt. And, I mean, they got a pile of guys on IR, too. Deshaun Jackson has been out a long time. Corey Clement bunch of defensive tackles. Just saying it's not impossible. That's all I'm saying. So in kind of a small sort of way, I'm rooting for Miami, although it doesn't super matter because, again, the Eagles, by default, because they have two garbage teams in their division, are probably going to be in. Although, let's let's look at it because it's not entirely true. So let's say the Eagles lose. So the Cowboys end up winning the division by default, a 500 team in the playoffs. The Seahawks and or the 49ers are definitely getting a wild card. The Rams are actually ahead of, so there's possibly three teams in the NFC West that are ahead of the, the Eagles and the Cowboys, for that matter. Either of the, yeah, they, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm just flat out wrong. Because you got the Rams, the Seahawks, the Packers and Bear, or and Vikings, one of those teams, and even the Bears are six wins. That's ahead of the Eagles. The Bears have a better shot at a wild card. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually think the Eagles are going to be in. But then the question is, does, I mean, because somebody has to be in that spot, who do you want it to be? I guess I'd rather play the Bears than the Eagles. And then even the Panthers are a five-win team. There's a lot of teams that are on par with the Eagles. So, yeah, it just comes down to who do you want to play. I don't know. I, I just want competition to get stomped out. And the Eagles are competition, so go Dolphins. Next up, Tampa Bay and Jacksonville. Again, doesn't super matter. They're both four and seven teams. Neither of them really has any shot at a playoff uh, berth. Really just comes down to uh, draft seeding when you're at the bottom like this. But the Packers aren't really in that conversation either because we're obviously still shooting for a Super Bowl, so we're kind of rooting for pick 32 here, but it makes for an interesting dynamic. Otherwise, doesn't matter. Same with Tennessee and Indy. Somewhat of a uh, playoff hope kind of a game, but it's AFC, and I don't really care about either of them, and I don't think either of them really have much of a shot in the playoffs anyways, so it doesn't matter. jets Bengals. oh my goodness. Just, ugh. feel sorry for anybody that has to watch that game, because that is just the worst. I fully expect the Jets to just destroy the Cincinnati Bengals, as weird as that sounds to say. But uh, I think the Bengals are, it does create, and, and again, some people don't like this kind of stuff, but it creates a really interesting thing. And one question that I really have is, what do you do 
if you're the Bengals at one, because this is a perfect situation. They have needed to get rid of Andy Dalton since forever. It's not working. They refuse to move on. This is a great quarterback year, and that perfectly aligns with the fact that you are going to get the number one overall pick. This is perfect. The problem is there's a guy by the name of Chase Young. Chase Young is one of the best pass rushers the NCAA has seen in a very long time. Nick Bosa has come out right now and is already one of the best, if not the best pass rusher this year. Chase Young is better than he was. Doesn't automatically mean he's going to be better in the pros, but this guy is just a freak. And it's one of those can't miss, don't ever pass up on a guy like this kind of pick. So what do you do if you're the Bengals? It seems like quarterback would be the obvious thing. And it is relevant because we're kind of just talking about football theory in general. The, the seemingly simple answer is you take a quarterback. Draft Joe Burrow. If you like Tua, draft Tua. Whatever. Whoever it is that you think is going to be the guy. I mean, if this guy has the potential to be a franchise quarterback, you draft him. And presumably they do. There's supposedly, supposedly some very, very good quarterbacks here. I think the biggest problem with that, number one, you're passing up on Chase Young. Number two, you're drafting a quarterback and you're putting him on a team that has maybe the worst offensive line group in all of football. And so we're looking at it and we're saying this is probably still going to be a pretty bad team no matter who you pick next year. So do you possibly draft Chase Young and either take a swing in the second round at a guy like Fromm or Eason or even just continue building, grab an offensive lineman, and then assume you're going to be terrible next year and try to grab a quarterback next year because there's going to be at least, presumably, two very good quarterbacks and possibly more depending on how many of these quarterbacks decide to go back to school. I don't know. Anyways, I find that interesting. Otherwise, there's there's no interest in this game whatsoever. Uh, Washington, Carolina, I, you know, we could just pick the guy with the bigger record and say, I hope they lose. But since we're playing Washington, I want Carolina to make short work of Washington. I don't need any kind of doubts sown in the minds of myself or anybody else that maybe Washington has figured this thing out. They are in total panic, panic, chaos mode. The quarterback cannot get into a rhythm. The offensive line can't block. Everything is just kind of falling apart for that team. Let's just keep it going that way. Let's let's hope for a 35 nothing Carolina victory. That's my hope in this situation. Uh, San Francisco-Baltimore, really, 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 really big game. In fact, let me just check really quick. Oh, jeez. Cleveland Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers is the other game I get, so I don't get to watch that one. That's not great, but whatever. Would really like to watch that. Technically, I could watch it tomorrow, but I don't know. I don't ever get the opportunity to utilize my game pass. Either way, this is very, very, very simple. We absolutely need Baltimore to beat San Francisco. It's not even a conversation. And again, I I do think it's going to happen. I've mentioned it before in the past. um, The two highest scoring games against this defense have been teams with um, really good tight ends. Somebody that nobody is talking about is Mark Andrews. Really, really high, well, not really, really, but a, a really talented tight end that was a high pick. He was a rookie last year. Nobody's talking about him. He has the second highest graded tight end in football right now. Everybody's talking about Kittle and all these other guys. Mark Andrews is a freak, and Ingram is having a great year. This offensive line is solid. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is just a nightmare to try to to figure out what to do because he's not only throwing the ball well, he has the fourth highest grade as far as being a passer and obviously is the highest graded runner uh, by a pretty fair margin. 89.8, so right at about elite. Taysom Hill is 82.2, is the second highest. By the way, Taysom Hill is the 15th highest graded passer in football right now. I would not be all that surprised if he ends up in very limited sample size. But if he's able to maintain that, that dude needs a legitimate shot. 
at being a quarterback and not just a gadget guy. So I don't really, really think that this defense is going to be able to easily contain this offense. Uh, far too mobile. You know, Ronnie Stanley as a blocker, he's, he's one of the best. I mean, he's, he's heads and tails better than what uh, David Bakhtiari has been doing this year. Off the right side, Orlando Brown, you know, kind of a big hulking, you know, whatever kind of guy, but he's decent enough. Marshall Yonda is still, still a fantastic, I mean, the, the guy's been in the league since 2007. The worst grade he ever got was a 75.2 last year. That was the only time he ever had a grade that was below an 80, which is a very good grade. Right now he's got an 82.5. I mean, th- this guy is maybe one of the best of all time. And I would have not even known he was still in the league if it wasn't for me poking around PFF once in a while. It's unbelievable how good this guy is. Um, and then you got Hollywood Brown with the speed. There's just so many ways that they can attack. And, and again, th- this defense is primarily good corners and a good front. The linebackers aren't that good. The safeties, I mean, Ward is very, very good. Jimmy Ward is solid. They don't have a very good strong safety. So the ability to run the ball, I think they're going to be able to run the ball fairly well. Ingram is doing a fantastic job as a running back. He's an awesome receiver out of the backfield. Um, you've got who's the other? Oh, Gus Edwards also doing a really good job running the ball. And I think the other part that's going to be tough is is the defense. And I don't think Baltimore's defense is, from a talent standpoint, I mean, massive props to the defensive coordinator. Because I, I even said I don't think this team's going to be all that great because their defense lost all of their talent. I mean, a large portion of it. And you look at the guys they got, they don't have pass rushers. Bowser and Judon, defensive tackles Ward and Williams, linebackers Fort and Clark. Who is Chuck Clark and LJ Fort? Who is that? Their corners, I mean, Marcus Peters is doing fantastic. Marlon Humphrey's doing a good job. Jimmy Smith is decent, but they don't have a defensive line. They don't have linebackers. They've got pretty good corners. They've got uh, Earl Thomas, who's good, but is also having one of his worst years since 2012 because he's getting up in age. So he's not exactly Earl Thomas of even last year, but he's doing a decent enough job. And then they got Brandon Carr at safety, who's meh. But they're fifth in points allowed and tenth in yards allowed. And it kind of just goes back to, and, and really, <sighs> this goes to what, and I don't remember who it was, Eric maybe? Somebody had sent in a, a voicemail or a text talking about the defense kind of just being soft and how we need to get away from that kind of a culture in Green Bay. Green Bay, I think, has a better group of talent than the Baltimore Ravens defense. I mean, if you just gave me this list of guys or, or the Packers list, of, I would take our guys. I, I, I would maybe take their corners, although the number one guy is Peters and he's probably on the way out. Same with Earl Thomas, solid safety, but he's pretty old and broken down. But they've just there's just something about it. and and it's just it's a cultural thing and it's so weird that that happens in football it shouldn't matter you got a brand new group of guys and a brand new defensive coordinator you would expect that the city you're in would have no impact on anything but there's just sort of this culture that seems to emanate through the generations AFC North defenses are just different you just get this sort of attitude in places like Baltimore and Pittsburgh even teams like Chicago, they tried for years to have a, a top-tier offense. We bring in these offensive-minded guys and offense, 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 offense. And the team's no good until they go out and get, you know, Khalil Mack and just, I don't know, they get Vic Fangio in there and the defense just gets dominant and that's how they end up winning. They're trying to build through the offense. They got an offensive-minded head coach and it's the defense. Granted, they're no good anymore, but the, the one year they were solid, the only thing that's good about them is de- it's just... It's like their identity, and they can't get away from it. And I don't know how you fix that if you're a team like the Packers who just, not that they've never had good defenses because they have, but 
typically the identity of this team has been offense. What what can you glean from a team like Baltimore? And it's part of the reason, like I said, I'm glad we get a guy like Zadarius and even Preston because you know Washington has had, despite a lack of talent, somewhat of a, a tough defense through the years. Stingy, you know, big scary guys up front. You know, Alabama alumnus, about fifty percent of them. I don't know what it. I don't get it, and I'd love to be able to watch because I don't know how you take this group of Bowser, Williams, Ward, Judon, Clark, and Fort and do anything with that. But they do, somehow, some kind of way. And on top of that, um, the Baltimore Ravens are number one in points, number one in yards, number one in passing touchdowns, number one in rushing attempts, number one in rushing yards, number one in rushing touchdowns, number one in rushing attempts at 5.7, probably largely due to their quarterback, I would assume. But yeah, I I think Baltimore's going to win. And if the 49ers win, then, you know, I don't think it necessarily exposes Baltimore as much as it kind of solidifies, yeah, the 49ers are legit. And and both of these teams are legit. I just, it, you know, I'm, I'm putting my money down on Baltimore. I don't know in the long run that I would buy in on Baltimore, and I know that's, people are going to get all upset about that. But it, it just, it, it's, it's a very simple thing that when you look at the talent across the board, what is Baltimore? Baltimore is Lamar Jackson, right? Ingram having the best year basically of his career, which we talked about this with the Bears. It's not really sustainable. You've got really no wide receivers outside of Hollywood Brown, who's having a good, not great year, and he's kind of a Deshaun Jackson-y kind of guy, where he's not a great down-to-down guy, but he'll get that one really big pass. The offensive line is great when you look at Yonda and Stanley, who are very, very old and about to be out the door. Outside of that, they're kind of mediocre at best. I don't think this offense is built on a firm foundation. I think this offense has taken a lot of teams by surprise, and I think eventually, and it could be this game here against a really, really solid defense, where an offense can get exposed. And again, talking about long-term, you lose Ingram, Yonda, and Stanley, and I'm just, I'm really worried. And again, defensively, the two best pieces you've got are Peters and Thomas, who are getting up in age a little bit. Well, Peters maybe not quite as much. I feel like he's been in the league for 10 years, but he really hasn't. But again, Humphrey is not as good as I had thought he would be coming out. Um, you got Jimmy Smith, who's just kind of meh. You got no pass rushers, you got no defensive line, you got no linebackers, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I just... I think they've got a real opportunity to make a real big push, possibly win a Super Bowl, and then completely fall off. And I think they need to make a push because I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I said they weren't going to be good this year and they came around and just dominated, so I could be very wrong about next year too. But I, I, I could see that as a prime example of a team that dominates this year and completely falls off next year because I just, I don't see a lot of substance here. They're winning and they're doing great without it, but I'm just, I'm not seeing much. Although you could say the same about the 49ers. I don't think whatever. Anyways, it's just, ugh. it's just upsetting. Because we make, as Packer fan, we make a million excuses. Well, of course, how do you expect them to win? We don't have a good linebacker. <laughs> what, what are you even talking about? What linebackers do the Ravens have? What linebackers do the 49ers have? You're crying about Blake Martinez? No, man. Nope. Kenny Clark and Zadarius and Preston and Jair and Tremont and Amo. I mean, this should be a very very good defense and it's not at all and i'm not crying because kevin king is having bad days and blake martinez is having a whole bad year and i don't even know what else we're going to cry about no more excuses for the packers just zero more excuses ravens have hardly any good players and they've got a very good defense figure it out Patton. uh rams cardinals i mean go cardinals i guess whatever don't super care the rams aren't a super big threat to anybody you could almost say the Rams are kind of an example of what I was talking about. 
but I, you know. They had a really good offensive line, some good wide receivers, good quarterback, but just not a very impressive defense. And, and the defense overperformed what I thought what their actual potential was, although they're still 15th and 16th in, in points and yards, which isn't great, but, you know, a team that doesn't have a lot of talent. I mean, Aaron Donald, of course. But again, getting back to, you, you can't on one hand say we have one bad player, therefore we should be excused. However, of course, the Rams are a good team. They've got one good player. That doesn't, that's very opposite of anything that makes any sense. They don't have a good group of guys on defense. I don't think they have had a very good group. They didn't have pass rushers for the longest time. And even now you look at it and it's, it's Aaron Donald in the mix, miss, midst, there you go, of what? Clay Matthews, Dante Fowler, and some guy named Fox. Littleton's doing okay at linebacker, but Marquis Christian? Trash, dude. Jalen Ramsey's garbage. I tried to tell you all that he was no good. He's just no good. He had one good year. 2016, his grade was a 72.8. That's good, not great. 2017, 91.3, best corner in football, and everyone got stuck on that. Same thing that happened with the guy over in Washington. Uh, Norman. Guy had one good year, and everyone's like, oh, we got to get Norman. He's so good. He's elite, blah, blah, 2018, 72.8. He went back to what he was. Again, 2016 and 2018, 72. He had one really freakish year on a great defense with a great defensive front and a good defensive coordinator and another good corner on the other side. But everyone assumed he's still what he was in 2017, despite having two years of evidence of being just kind of good, not great. Now in 2019, you know what his grade is? A 64.2. He's barely average. Oh, watch film, dude. Jalen Ramsey's great. No, he's not. He's the worst corner they have on their entire team, and they don't really have that good of corners. This is a mediocre defense, but that's always kind of what it was, and they were somewhat overperforming. But anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's it's fallen off, and and a big part of the reason, and this is why people are dumb for saying, oh, yeah, you're not allowed to say that the Ravens won't be good for a long time. Nobody's good for a long time. Everybody's going to figure out how to beat you eventually. You got to figure out how to overcome that. And when teams are as good as the Baltimore Ravens or as good as the Chiefs, for example, a lot of that has to do with something very, very new and very, very unique being implemented that nobody's seen and nobody really knows how to beat. But eventually somebody is going to figure it out. And even when you adapt, the the main core thing that you do that is super, super awesome and super, super elite, that's gone. Everything kind of gets pulled back to the middle. Everybody, the the way that the NFL is set up is that everybody is just kind of mediocre, and finding a way to be just above mediocre and to beat the teams in front of you is hard enough. Saying that it's impossible or unlikely that a team just floats around as this elite team that nobody can beat for years and years and years is just not that likely. The Patriots do it, and fine, if you want to say that the Ravens or the Chiefs, which we're already seeing them kind of fall off a bit, or whoever is going to be great for all of eternity, just like the Patriots, fine, go ahead and say that. But we've got it pretty much just one example in most of our lifetimes. One. Uh, Denver and the Chargers, who cares? I expected a lot more interesting games. These are not very interesting. It's really just two very interesting games that I can see here. Uh, Kansas City and Oakland. <laughs> Case in point, Oakland Raiders and Kansas City Chiefs. 7-4 and four versus 6-5. and five. <laughs> They're basically tied as far as their records are concerned. And you want to talk about overperforming. Oakland Raiders, I just don't get it. Also, the Chiefs, another example of a team that completely fell off, that didn't really have that much, but somehow massively overperformed. The Chiefs have a bad offensive line. I have no idea what's going on with Eric Fisher, but he is one of the worst tackles in football right now. So they've got a terrible offensive line with the exception of Schwartz at right tackle. And it's Mahomes, who is right now graded as the 12th best quarterback in football. 
You have Kelsey at tight end, who is the fourth highest graded tight end of football. And again, everybody is not going to believe this because everyone just assumes that everything that we knew last year is the same this year. It's not the case. Bad offensive line, really good tight end, a good quarterback, and then Tyreek Hill, who really is the core of this offense. Again, everyone looks at it and says it's Mahomes. Secondarily is probably Kelsey. And then Hill is just a really good fast. No, no. Tyreek Hill is elite, elite, elite. He's the one that blows this thing wide open. But if Hill gets hurt, Hill gets suspended, or Hill just gets locked up because they double-triple-team the guy, the offense is not the same. Beyond that, this is a complete trash, garbage defense. And I said the Chiefs are never... I don't care how good their offense is, they're never going anywhere without a better defense. They give away the best pass-rush duo in football. Inexplicably, just give them away. And then go out and get Frank Clark, who everyone said was this great elite guy, and the reason I didn't, again, is because I use PFF, which most people think is garbage, and people laugh. Oh, yeah, you think that he's not that good because of PFF. Maybe turn on the tape, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so here's the deal. Frank Clark right now, a guy that I said isn't that good. Same thing I said about Jalen Ramsey. Not because I'm watching the tape, because I'm watching PFF. Who watched the tape? Frank Clark right now is graded as the 81st best edge rusher in football. Frank Clark, I think, was the, the number one guy as far as, you know, well, maybe Jadavian Clowney. I don't know. But this was a blockbuster. They spent a ton of money because they needed to get their edge rusher, even though they already had two. But whatever. We're switching our defense from 3-4 to 4-3 for whatever reason. So now we need to get rid of our really, really good pass rushers and go out and get a really, really good one. Overpay the guy. He's trash. We don't have anyone along this defensive line, with the exception of Chris Jones, who is following the exact same trajectory of Kenny Clark. He's having a massively down year. Tano Passigno is just garbage. They don't have good corners. They don't. They have terrible linebackers, and they have really terrible safeties. Thornhill, I guess, is pretty average, especially for a rookie. But when you pair that with Jordan Lucas, who's probably the worst safety in football, this team isn't going anywhere. Do I expect the Chiefs to beat the Raiders? Yeah, because the Chiefs still have those couple of little cheat codes, right? That's what this is. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill. Those are the cheat codes. Do I know that they're going to dominate? No, I don't. Because Oakland is probably going to spank this defense because it's just a pathetic defense. And by the way, this is also what happens when you lose a GM. They had a GM that built this team in a matter of like a year or two. They lose that GM, and this thing is just about to fall apart massively. Because it, it's, it's, I mean, it's already going in the wrong direction, and nobody be able to stop the bleeding. Nobody's definitely going to be able to rebuild this thing. That's a joke. They need four offensive linemen. They need a running back. They need at least one pass rusher. They could probably use a defensive tackle. They're going to need at least one more corner. They're going to need a linebacker. They drafted a safety, probably still need a safety. Definitely need to replace this Chase Jordan, excuse me, Jordan Lucas fella. This team's not going anywhere, man. I mean, even with Pat Mahomes, I'm just, I, I told you guys before we even um, played the Chiefs and before Pat Mahomes got hurt, I wasn't really scared of the Chiefs, and I think we can match up pretty well and beat the Chiefs. I think even with Mahomes, we beat the Chiefs. I'm just not scared of this team. And again, kind of zooming out, big picture, forget this week, big picture stuff. Being kind of a, a flash-in-the-pan, one-time deal, that's cool. And the, and the Packers did that for a little bit, like, oh, dude, check this out. All right, so you came out hot, right? You came out on fire. And people obviously figured out how to play our defense, and teams are now starting to figure out how to shut down our offense. Whether or not this team is ever going to be a dominant team or if we're just going to go back to being what we were last year in 2020, is entirely going to depend on the coaches that we have. I like our GM, but if we can't adapt and find a way to take the talent we have, which I'm just going through team by team by team, this is a better team than what the Browns have. It's a better team than what Pittsburgh has, better than the Giants. Um, 
better than the Dolphins, better than the Tampa Bay, better than Jacksonville, better than Tennessee, better than Indy, uh, better than Philly? I think so. We got better pass rushers. We have a better quarterback. Devontae's better than anyone they had. Yeah, I think we're, we have a better roster than Philadelphia. Better roster than the Giants, than the Bengals, than the Redskins. Better than the Panthers. Again, Baltimore. I, I understand Baltimore's dominant. I'm not talking about how well they're playing. I'm talking about the roster. Aaron Rodgers is a proven talent. I would take Devontae over Hollywood Brown. I would take our offensive line over their offensive line. They got two elite pieces, but we've got a pretty good unit and guys that are going to be around for a long time. And I just think uh, the defense across the board, with the exception, again, maybe of corners, I, I would still take the Packers. Again, forget the record. Look at the people. Look at the pieces. The point is, you can go across the board, and the Packers have a better roster than almost every team in football. Maybe not the 49ers, depending on what you prioritize. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is heads and tails better than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not even close. The, the bigger point I'm making, though, is none of this, I, I don't care what we do in free agency or the draft. If the, if the coaches we have can't make the pieces work, it's not for anything. It doesn't mean anything. We have a good enough defense to be performing better than we are. Again, the Rams have nothing, and they're a mediocre team. They're right at about 14th, 15th. That is a horrifyingly bad defensive roster. The Packers are 14th in points, which is great, but they're 28th in yards. They're one of the worst teams in football in stopping teams from gaining yards. Come on. And we got Aaron Jones, we've got this offensive line, we got Aaron Rodgers, we got Devontae Adams, and we're 24, 21st in getting yards and only 12th in points. It's just, it's just not good enough, man. It's just not. And again, I can go through example for example for example of teams that, that are able to perform despite not actually having elite-level talent. It's an energy, it's an attitude, it's coaching, it's whatever it is. The, the Oakland Raiders are a perfect example of that. Yeah, I know they got stomped out last week, whatever, who cares? They're 6-5. and five. They don't have a single talented piece on that whole flubbing team. The Packers are basically the Chargers right now. They, they, they've got a, a, a roster that's just solid. They just can't find a way to win. Every other team is finding ways to win that has at least some talent. Of course, I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins are trash because they have a terrible roster. Maybe Detroit is on that list of having a better roster than their record, although they lost their quarterback. I mean, look at Seattle. Look at Seattle, for crying out loud. And I, I bring them up all the time. Russell Wilson is a great quarterback. Their running back, Chris Carson, is the 28th highest graded running back in football. Their offensive line is so putrid, it's unbelievable. They have one decent wide receiver, and that's Tyler Lockett, who is the 13th highest graded wide receiver in football, not where Devontae is. So they have one receiver, just like the Packers have. They do have DK Metcalf, who's not very good, but he's big and occasionally catches touchdown passes and stuff. But they have a worse offensive line. They have, I would say, a worse... Yeah, and I, I know they have Gordon also. Gordon is graded as the 82nd highest graded wide receiver. Why in the world does everyone assume Josh Gordon is 2013 Josh Gordon? He's not. So they don't have a tight end. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have a really good running back. They have one wide receiver and two mediocre wide receivers. And they're nine wins, and they just keep on winning. Well, it's because of our defense. What defense? They don't have a defense. Again, this isn't Legion of Boom anymore. Can you even name their corners? Shaquille Griffin's great. Who are the other two? Pray tell. Trey Flowers is the 107th best corner in football. That's worse than Kevin King. Akeem King is about as bad. He's, he's, he's almost the exact same grade. They have two horrible corners. They have LJ Collier, who they drafted, who is just abysmal as a pass rusher. They went out and got Ezekiel Ansah, 
who's garbage. The only good player on their entire defensive line is Quentin Jefferson. He's the 25th highest graded defensive tackle in football. He's not good. Well, they got Bobby Wagner. Yep, he's having a real bad year this year. He's 23rd. K.J. Wright is 38th. This is not the Legion of Boom anymore. They don't have a good defense. The Packers have a better defense than Seattle. They have a better offense than Seattle. Look at the record. I'm getting really upset going through this because the excuses are just gone, and, and we live too much in a bubble. We look at this and go, well, no wonder. You know, we got fights on, on Twitter about, well, it's just not good enough. You know, wide receivers aren't good enough, and this isn't good enough. Yeah, that's true. We could upgrade the wide receivers. There's a lot of things that could be better. Nobody else that has a winning record that is dominant, that is making a push, has the same excuses, including, by the way, the Minnesota Vikings. This team is, is what, Stephon Diggs is the 16th highest graded guy. Kirk Cousins is having a really good year. Dalvin Cook is, is solid. That's cool. But right now their other wide receivers are Laquan Treadwell and Ola B.C. Johnson. And they still have a really bad offensive line, by the way. Not as bad as it was, but it's still not very good at all. Kyle Rudolph is way over the hill. Defense is decent, right? Real good safeties. Kendricks is having a banner year and good pass rushers. Do not have good defensive tackles. Barr is trash. And their corners are some of the worst corners in football. But their defense is dominant. No excuses. Just, no, just, just win. And they are. And, look, and, the, and the Packers are winning too, and that's awesome. I, I guess all I'm saying is none of the other teams are making excuses. And, and the Packers aren't making excuses. We just need to stop making excuses for them. If the Packers lose, it's not because Gutekunst didn't do a good enough job of getting another wide receiver. Shuddy. How many dominant teams do you know that have two really good wide receivers on their team? The Vikings, when they have two that are healthy, which they don't right now. The, the Seahawks don't. The Ravens don't have two good wide receivers. The 49ers don't. The Chiefs don't. The Texans don't. Patriots don't even really have one. Julian Edelman's the best wide receiver they have. He's the 38th highest ranked player in football. He's not even a starter caliber. Stop making excuses. We have a good enough team. Go win football games. Just go be better. That's it. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. Anyways, speaking of Minnesota and Seattle, please, please, please let Seattle beat Minnesota. Um, you know, it, the Minnesota Vikings have somewhat of an uphill battle of overtaking the Packers, primarily because it's assumed that the Packers are, in the next couple of weeks, about to be 10-3. and three. And so the Vikings essentially have to win out and then beat the Packers to be one game ahead. It's going to be tough to win out. And if they fall behind the Packers, it gets to be really complicated for them to end up winning. And so they really need to win this one. And if they do, somewhat concerning, especially since this game is in Seattle. So that's going to be a really, really big game on Monday night. Um, I skipped New England-Houston, but I don't really care. I mean, I guess go Houston. But, you know, again, I, I was trying to go through the games, but by the end of this, I just got so tired of looking at teams that just don't have very good rosters that are doing a really good job. Baltimore, I'm not going to say they don't have a good roster, but they have holes everywhere. The 49ers have holes everywhere. The Chiefs are, are basically a giant hole with a couple good players. The Oakland Raiders are 6-5 and five with nothing. New England is 10-1. and one. They, they have a good quarterback, mediocre wide receivers, mediocre offensive line, and no tight end. Yes, they have a good defense, so what? Minnesota, terrible offensive line. One good wide receiver right now. Two good pass rushers. Sounding a lot like the Packers, isn't it? Terrible corners. Bad defensive line. One really good linebacker and a couple good safeties. Holes, holes, holes all over the place. Seattle, holes, holes, holes. They just keep winning, and so I'm tired of hearing about excuses. 
oh, Billy Turner is not that good. All we have is one of the best tackle duos in football and a really good center and a really good rookie guard. Billy Turner's just average, and that's upsetting to me. And all we have is one elite wide receiver and Aaron Rodgers and a great running back duo who are great at running the ball as well as great receivers. Ugh. And we don't have good enough tight ends. And we've only got two good corners in Alexander and Williams. And we've only got the best pass rush duo in football, arguably. And we only have Kenny Clark. And we only have Amos and Savage. And we don't have a good enough linebacker. Martinez is only the 56th best linebacker in football. We're doomed. Nah, sorry. Not buying it. Not buying it. Just dominate the Giants. Dominate the Washington Redskins. Go beat the Minnesota Vikings because you're good enough. They are good enough. So... Anyways, I, I didn't leave room for a break, so I'll probably... Well, you already know what I did. I don't, I don't know. i got to figure out how I'm going to handle this. Probably just put it in a really random spot. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a great day. I, I, that wasn't supposed to sound negative, even though it kind of did. The, this is going to be a great day because the Packers are going to destroy the Giants. But again, it, it really just comes down to I don't want this negativity nonsense anymore because there's no reason for it because the Packers should just be dominant because they have a roster that is good enough to beat anybody in the NFL. Just just, just based on the talent of the players that are there. Now, obviously, the play on the field is a different scenario, but that's what I'm talking about. The play, it's, it's time for the play on the field to match up to the talent that we see on the roster. That's what I'm saying. That's what needs to happen. That's what the coaches need to figure out how to do, and they need to figure it out now. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.